I speak to you this morning, friends, in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Reverend Maya Douglas's words this morning capture beautifully for us all a moment in time when she saw something she had not seen before, a black man in a position of power and influence. Seeing him on that day broadened her imagination about possibilities in life. And on that day and in that place, Lincoln Alexander, his light was shining. It was not hidden under a bushel basket, as we heard Jesus talk about in our gospel today. There in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is continuing the Sermon on the Mount. He has just been teaching them about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And now, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. There is one thing about salt and light that we should keep in mind as we talk about them this morning. They don't exist for themselves. They are, their purpose is only fulfilled when they're used. Salt, of course, enhances flavor when used properly. It also acts as a preservative, which is probably its primary purpose in the time of Jesus, right? There were no refrigerators around. Light shines, light illumines what has been hidden in darkness. Jesus said, you can't hide a city on a hill, right? Everyone can see the city. And you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. What use is that? You put it on the lampstand so it can give light for everyone in the house. Both salt and light were precious commodities in Jesus' time. Both sustain life and both are gifts of creation that make all the difference in our lives, even today. Just think about your food without salt. You already know if you have a restriction for health reasons, you know what that tastes like. My mother-in-law had that restriction and all of the food that she cooked was wonderful, except it was missing salt, right? But it makes a huge difference. Think about sitting in a cold, dark room rather than your nice, heated, lit, comfy space of choice. Notice here that Jesus is using the present tense when he's talking to his followers. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is now, not in some distant future, not something that they will become. This is who they are. Jesus is teaching his followers who they are, who we are, and what our lives in this new realm of God's kingdom looks like. Friends, we are to be salty, we are to be tasty and lit. Jesus is talking here about lives that make a difference for others in the world. That's what Lincoln Alexander did for Maya Douglas that day when he acknowledged her as he passed by her. She knew at that moment that she was not hidden, she was not invisible. She said that she mattered. It is also what Reverend Lindell Brown did when he would weekly check in with her. 
how has your week been? What's coming up in your week? Right? It was a small but kind gesture, but it's one that made a difference in her life. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Friends, our good works are not ours and that they do not belong to us. We are not the source of such good works. Rather, we are conduits of God's good works, symbols pointing to a greater reality than ourselves, signposts lighting the way to God's glory, not our own. Yesterday, I watched a movie called The Best of Enemies. Any of you seen it? It's, true, it's based on a true story and taken from a book called The Best of Enemies, Race and Redemption in the New South. And although it did poorly in the box office, and based on the number of you who've not seen it, I'm not surprised, <laughs> had terrible ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, I thought it was a great story. It's set in Durham, North Carolina in 1971, and it's about an African-American woman named Anne Atwater who is an unrelenting activist in her community. And the unlikely, very unlikely friendship that develops between her arch-rival, C.P. Ellis, the leader of the KKK in her community. After a lengthy community process of listening to one another's fears and concerns over desegregating the local school, three suggestions are brought forward for a vote to a group of eight randomly chosen community members. However, four of them are white and four of them are black. And in order for a resolution to pass, they need a two-thirds majority. So they need six votes in order for the resolution to pass. The first two pass with the required majority with each of the main characters representing their stereotyped points of view. But on the last resolution, the call for immediate desegregation, the voting pattern changes and it's clear the resolution will not pass. C.P. Ellis has the last vote. Everyone knows how he's going to vote, but he's going to take his moment anyway. He stands to make a speech before casting his vote, and to everyone's utter shock and surprise, the words out of his mouth are the renunciation of his KKK membership, and he tears up his card, and he votes in favor of the proposal, thereby giving it the two-thirds majority it needed. Friends, the joy and elation on Anne's face and of the members of the black community that were present in that room on that day was beautiful and emotional. Their struggle and fight on this front, at least, was one. And as I reflected, I thought about how C.P. Ellis's character claims faith in God, and yet his actions and his faith are not aligned. I was reminded of our reading from Isaiah today. God's people thought their ritual fasting was pleasing to God, but God said it wasn't. What was missing was the acts of justice, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the yoke of oppression, to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor 
into your home. This is the heart of our God, to free, to reconcile, to unburden, to share, to give, to restore. Friends, we all know that there are daily opportunities for us to live out this identity that Jesus is talking about as salt and light. And the call for us as Anglicans is part of our baptismal covenant. There we are asked, listen afresh, will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? Our answer is, of course, I will with God's help. That is our commitment to those actions. I will do it, God being my helper. And the good news for us is that God has given us a helper. God has given us the Holy Spirit to be with us, to enable us to live out this identity as salt and light. My brothers and sisters, hear again what Isaiah says as we consider how to live in this way, how to live now in the 21st century. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Thanks be to God. Amen.